calendar cycle where New Year's and Christmas are on a Sunday. And uh, again, uh, hopefully you've been able to enjoy uh, some of the holidays that come around this. Uh, again, I know as a teacher, we get great breaks. We, get great, we don't get to pick them, but we get great holidays, right? We get the two weeks of Christmas, we get the week at spring break, and then we get the good summers. Uh, and Corey talked about a word for the year, and I don't think I can change my word either, and the word is change. Uh, for our household, the word change is a big one. Uh, we moved houses in, in November, uh, and then uh, earlier on, you, you will have heard I announced that I'm changing my, my job at the end of this, uh, this school year, at the end of June, uh, and so just lots of change going on uh, in my life. I've, I have my youngest graduating uh, and, then, and then I have my older ones doing what they do, and there's changes that come with that too that, uh, that we don't always, uh, don't always know or, or whatever the case may be. And so, uh, again, I'm enjoying my last Christmas with a two-week break. Uh, I will get to pick my holidays, but I will not get holidays in this way uh, probably ever again until I, I maybe hit that retirement age, and I don't know if that still works that way or how that works then. Then you're, I guess you're just always on a holiday. <laughs> I'm sorry. For those of you that are retired, I know you're busy and productive and have meaningful things that happen in your lives. <clears throat> so one of the things that we often do around New Year's is we reflect on what's been going on, our highlights, the struggles, the things that we want to do, the things we've learned. And as I look ahead, I began to plan and think about what the new year will, be, 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 will bring to me. And of course, this year it has, has some significant changes, as I mentioned earlier. And so part of that process is, is called making resolutions, and we examine our lives and we decide what changes we would like to make. Generally, the, the idea is that we want to improve our lives, and many times that's connected either to our health, uh, wanting to take off a few pounds, maybe it's about relationships, wanting to restore one, or maybe it's wanting to move away from one in terms of uh, something that's maybe not as healthy for you. Sometimes it's maybe our jobs and our work, as I reflect on myself, <clears throat> And hopefully some are also connected to our faith. And so this morning I'd like to spend some time talking about a topic that is with us every day. And I know it impacts our health, our relationships, our work, and ultimately our faith as well. And it's our use of technology. And in particular, our cell phones. And so for those of you, I know Corey talked about uh, and prayed for me about bringing something from the Word. It's a little thin this morning, I'm sorry, but it is there. I don't, again, I couldn't find the word cell phone in, in my concordance. I couldn't find that word anywhere in the Bible. But I do believe the Bible speaks to us and gives us guidance on this issue. And so the issue that I'm talking about is a real one. And for some, it's a real safety issue. And so take a look at this video. Thank you. 
There you go. That none of, that's none of us, right? That never happens to any of us. Here are some numbers that are just uh, maybe a little bit interesting. The smartphone is now 27 years old. Uh, and just so you know, it was not Apple that made the smartphone. IBM is credited with the first one. Uh, the iPhone itself is 15 years old, and the first one being released on June 29, 2007. And research conducted by Pew Research found that 97% of Americans now own a cell phone, and 85% of Americans own a smartphone. The difference between a cell phone and a smartphone is the cell phone is just a, a phone. I know. When I talk to some of the kids in high school, it's like, you can phone on your phone. What? Not just text? So, interesting. Uh, And I'm assuming the numbers here in Canada are about the same. So, again, one of the changes was uh, now 85% of Americans own a smartphone, and that's up 35% from 10 years ago. So it was 35% 10 years ago, and it's now 85%. And so, and I love this word, I always wanted to use it in a sermon, phones are ubiquitous. Everybody has one. You can write that one down. That's your word, power word for the day. Um, Basically, what your kid is saying when they come home from school, saying, hey, everybody has one, uh, is true. Uh, Almost everybody has one. That is what it is, and that is what is smartphones are there. And so the question here is, how many of you have a smartphone? I want to just see your hands. Stick them up in the air. You betcha. There it is. Uh, Pastor Earl did mention in a sermon a few, while, a few uh, weeks ago, bring your Bibles, not your E-ones, the, the paper ones, the ones that are in book form. You, there it is. There you go. Thank you. Uh, again, they've brought a lot of good things into our lives, and they've brought a lot of conveniences, and there's a lot of things that, that uh, we are becoming, uh, it's just a part of our lives. And the generation that is getting brought up right now, um, again, now I'm aging myself, I was a generation where phones became a part of everyday life. And our kids now, it's like their left arms. Uh, it is just a part of who they are and, who, and how they function and what they do. And so the question or issue that I want to talk about today about is how stuck are you on your phone? And the word that we use for when you're really, really stuck on something is we use the word addiction. Most of us don't like that word. Uh, but considering our dependence on things, but if you consider our, things, our dependence on things like caffeine or carbs or sugar, and we could quit eating them, we have withdrawal symptoms, and so too our use of cell phones creates a dependence in our brains. Uh, and so the question I have for us this morning, is your tech controlling you or are you controlling your tech? And so who is the boss of you? So here's the Bible part, and then I'll move into more self-help part. Earlier you, you heard me suggest that the Bible has some guidance for us, and it does. And so I'm going to read a few passages. 1 Corinthians 6.12. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. In this passage, Paul is speaking about sexual immorality, but the principle that he is pointing to is valid for us today. We are not to be mastered by anything. It's inappropriate for us as Jesus followers to be bound to something that uh, has a controlling influence uh, above and beyond what Jesus has in our lives. <clears throat> Second Peter brings this point home as well. Second Peter 2.19. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. And so as we look at our topic for today, you may also want to examine other areas of your life. What is God pointing out to you today that you've allowed to master you? 
<clears throat> and Jesus is clear in Matthew 6.24 when he talks about that we can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, in the passage it says money, but we could just do fill in the blank. Whatever it is that is controlling you <clears throat> has primary interest in your life. And so again, I'm hoping that as we talk about this this morning, that we are able to think about that and, and think about how we do not want to be mastered by the things of this world. So, to start off with, I want to talk a little bit about addiction, just a very pop psychology version of this. This is not a deep version. You can get more if you want into it. But uh, the definition of an addiction is a person with addic an addiction uses a, a substance or engages in a behavior for which the rewarding effects provide a compelling incentive to repeat the activity despite detrimental consequences. Addiction may involve the use of substances such as alcohol, inhalants, opioids, cocaine, and nicotine, or behaviors such as gambling. So addiction is a have-to-have. Addictions start with something fun, which we can turn into behavioral habits, which then turn into addiction. It's generally a process. It doesn't happen overnight, and it often isn't a one-time thing. So rewarding behaviors lead to addiction. So uh, depending on where you're at, I mean, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about smartphones, but you've got Fitbits, you've got gambling, social media, fashion, video games, exercise, Instagram, losing weight, Netflix, caffeine shopping, sexual pleasures, music, all of these things, that's a very short list, uh, are, are things that are behaviors that can lead us to addictive behavior. And so how does addiction work? In our brains, we have a neurotransmitter called dopamine, and it's used to send messages to different parts of our brain. And dopamine plays a key role in how we feel pleasure. It's a big part of our ability to strive for things, to focus and to find things interesting. It's also key to the, to the development of addiction. Its production reinforces activities that caused it to be produced. And so in general, when we do something that's good for us and we get a good feeling about it, then we want to redo it. And when we do something that doesn't feel good, then we will stop doing it. That's sort of the idea. Dopamine is a good thing, uh, as God intended it to be. But when we begin to get into things that are not good, we begin to uh, step into the fall of mankind and dopamine becomes a problem for us. So, for example, when it's overproduced, it has the ability to rewire our brain and this causes us to have an overly highly focused of attention on a particular activity which produces pleasure. So, here's the example. We participate in gambling, okay? Again, none of us gamble, right? That's just not something we do. Uh, so, we participate in gambling, and we, we are rewarded by winning, even though the winning is random, right? Okay, so whether it's cards or whatever the gambling game you're playing is, the winning is random, and so when we win, we get a shot of dopamine and we feel good. So that does not make us an addict, but when the gambling becomes a habit and the desire to feel the pleasure of the win starts to become a focus that begins to override our other choices, this is the dopamine reaction beginning to rewire our brains to crave this activity to feel that shot of dopamine and pleasure. Keep in mind, I'm simplifying things significantly. Addiction is a much more complicated conversation than that because it's a function of our brains, it's a function of our genetics, and it's a function of our environment. But 
The idea here is that dopamine is a key player in this. And when we talk about cell phones, we're going to talk about how it plays into that as well. But there is hope. Again, at the end of this all, there is hope. The rewiring of our brains by an addiction can be reversed when the activity or the use of the substance is discontinued. Researchers say that after five years of remission from an addiction, the relapse rates are the same as what you would see in the general public. So, why can't I put my cell phone down? So what does this have to do with that? So, did you know the spinning wheel on our device builds up anticipation and dopamine in our brains? There we go. Because something's going to happen. And it's not just MTS's uh, stuttering, buffering, buffering, buffering. But, but buffering does the same thing, right? You sit there in anticipation. Did you know that the color red releases more dopamine than blue? It feels more urgent. And it creates the desire to touch your screen. Almost all of you want to go look at your phone right now. Okay, whether that's emails, whether that's messages in this one, whatever it is, it makes you want to touch your screen. For me, it's updates. I don't have a picture of updates, but when I see a number on my updates, then I want to, I want to get my updates done. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, a quote from um, Chama uh, Palahaptia, I, I'm not saying his name probably right. He's a vice, he used to be a, uh, one of the VPs at Facebook. And he says, I feel tremendous guilt. Uh, and he said this to a group of students uh, at Stanford. He said he was responding to a question about his involvement in exploiting consumer behavior. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works, he explained. Uh, he highlighted something most of us know but few really appreciate. Smartphones and the social media platforms they support are turning us into bona fide addicts. While it's easy to dismiss this claim as hyperbole, platforms like Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram leverage the very neural circuitry used by slot machines and cocaine to keep us using their products as much as possible. So, have you ever misplaced your phone and felt a mild state of panic until it's been found? 73% people, of people claim to experience this type of anxiety. Uh, average U.S. adults spend two to four hours per day on their phones. And again, these numbers are a couple years old, so they could, that could be higher, especially after COVID, and we'll mention that a little bit. So that adds up to 2,600 touches a day. Have you ever felt a phantom vibrate from your phone when you think, oh, hang on a second. Oh, no, it's nothing. A phantom vibrate, right? Like, oh, I, I think something's, somebody's trying to get a hold of me or so I got a message or something. Our phones themselves are not addictive, unlike cocaine, for example, but the hypersocial environments they create for us are the true drivers. Thanks to the likes of Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and others, smartphones allow us to carry immense social environments in our pockets through every waking moment of our lives. Though humans have evolved to, to be social, a key feature to our success as a species, the social structures in which we thrive tend to contain about 150 individuals. So in general, that's sort of your sphere of influence. You have 150 people in normal that surround you. This number is orders of magnitude smaller than the 2 billion potential connections we have with the, when we carry our phones in our pockets. There is no doubt that smartphones provide immense benefits to society, but their cost is becoming more and more apparent 
Studies are beginning to show links between smartphone usage and increased levels of anxiety, depression, poor sleep, increased risk of car injury or death. Many of us wish we spent less time on our phones, but find it incredibly difficult to disconnect. And so why are our smartphones so hard to ignore? One of the ways that dopamine is produced in our brains is through successful social interactions. It's how God has made us to be in relationship with each other. It's a good thing and produces good feelings inside of us. What used to be the personal interactions between people, that 150 we first talked about, has now changed with our ability to connect with people over our phones. And so just a little interjection here. COVID has caused a huge upheaval in the way we were able to connect with each other as well. So personal face-to-face connection became very limited in those last couple of years. The solution, we reached for our cell phones and became masters of video calls to connect with others, right? Uh, didn't matter what generation you're in, we figured out how to do, how to do Zooming. Kids had much more screen time because school was on, online, gaming was online, and then to just keep them entertained, we put them back online. Older adults that had never done a video call are now Zooming and know how to Zoom and know how to stream church services and know how to stream prayer meetings and the things that they want to get connected to. And so our, in, our, our dependence on our tech has also increased in the last couple of years because of covid And so smartphones, both in these last couple of years and even in a broader sense, has provided us with a virtually unlimited supply of social stimulus, both positive and negative. Every notification, whether it's a text message, a like on Instagram, or a Facebook notification, has the potential to be a positive social stimulus and a little hit of dopamine into your brain. Creators of these platforms have done the research, the science, and have designed these platforms to draw you in, to hook you, hold you, and keep you coming back. Sometimes you may wonder, why do I want to check Facebook again, even though I just looked at it a few minutes ago? The pleasure of finding something new, or a like, or a response, keep us coming back habitually, even though the reward that we receive is random. Do you wonder why the order of things on Facebook keeps changing? Every time you look, it doesn't stay the same, right? If you refresh, whoop, everything's in a new order. Uh, The infinity scroll, right? That's actually invented 14 years ago. But 14 years ago, before that, the infinity scroll didn't exist. You couldn't scroll forever and ever and ever on Facebook or YouTube and just keep going and going and going and going. It's 17 years old. It was made by a guy, again, I'm giving you some information, as a Raskin, and it was done by Microsoft, just so you know. But that infinity scroll, the the reordering of things, those are the things that, again, feed our addiction uh, in terms of what's happening in our brains. Uh, I'm not sure if it still does, but Instagram also has an algorithm that wants to keep you coming back. So when you post on Instagram, you get likes, and that tells you that people like what you've posted. It's, uh, again, I don't use Instagram, so I'm a little, I'm a little, and, I'm, I'm, and probably Facebook and Instagram, again, good thing there's not a lot of young people here because they're all using something else already by now. But the rules apply, it's the same way. So Instagram's algorithm would not give you the likes when you got them. They would hold them back from you, and then you'd get a hit of likes uh, in bunches. And so then your brain would get a big pop of of dopamine because suddenly now you had 10 or 15 or 20 or 500 likes or whatever it was. So you had this surge of happiness. And the positive-negative feedback loop kept you coming back, and that's what's happening there. 
And so this rewiring of our brains is happening, and that's why we just can't be without our phones. And the creators of these apps that we use have figured this out, and they want us to keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back. I used to not be on Facebook. A little personal story here. I used to not be on Facebook at all. I tried to do Facebook a little bit from the school side, and then I kind of quit because I'm just not good at that because uh, I can't post about my life every day. I just, uh, I just can't. But I find myself going to see what's new. And all of a sudden, I catch myself that I've checked Facebook six times. And I'm going, why am I checking Facebook? There's nothing there. But I keep going back. It's just an interesting thing. So it works, and it's there, and we're hooked. So are you in a little deeper than you thought? Are you facing a relationship with your phone that is unhealthy? And so we're going to go through a little bit of a self-assessment tool, uh, and you can kind of measure yourself as you see what's going on in your life. So number one, do you find yourself spending more time on your smartphone than you realize? And that's maybe hard for you to do unless you kind of track the time. And there are, there are ways to do that, so you can do that. Uh, again, phone makers have now made apps to help those that are using their phones too much, right? Like they're, it's, it's like... It's like the gambling ad, play responsibly, please, at the bottom, right? So it's one of those things. Do you find yourself mindlessly passing time on a regular basis by staring at your smartphone, even though there might be better or more productive things to do? Uh, again, just a little insight. Uh, for those of you that work with people and have a staff room, what happens when you sit down at the staff room? You talk a little bit, and then all of a sudden it goes quiet. And what has happened? Everybody's looking down and, 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 and looking at their phones. It's in my staff room too. There you go. Something to think about. Do you seem to lose track of time when you're on your cell phone? Do you find yourself spending more time texting, tweeting, or emailing as opposed to talking to real-time people? Will you sooner send someone an email than actually go and talk to them even though they may be eight feet away from you? Again, more of an office setting. It's a reality. Um, has the amount of time you spend on your phone been increasing? Do you secretly wish you could be a little less wired or connected to your cell phone? I'm always very proud when people try to call me and I'm off somewhere in the building here and my cell phone rings on my desk. Do you sleep with your smartphone on or under your pillow or next to your bed regularly? Again, not a healthy habit. Do you find yourself viewing and answering texts, tweets, emails at all hours of the night and day, even when it means interrupting other things you are doing? Does your phone become something that interrupts regular interactions that you're having with other people? Do you do the same text, tweet, email, or surf the internet while driving or doing other activities that require your focused attention and concentration? Again, the fact that they have to make laws about it tells you there's a problem. Do you feel that your use of your cell phone actually decreases your productivity at times? Do you feel reluctant to be without your smartphone even for a short time? When you leave your house, you always have your smartphone with you and you feel ill at ease or uncomfortable when you accidentally leave your smartphone in the car or at home or you have no service. Does that stress you out? When you eat meals... Is your cell phone always a part of the table place setting? Again, another one. When your phone rings, beeps, buzzes, do you feel an intense urge to check for texts, tweets, or emails, or updates? 
And finally, do you find yourself mindlessly checking your phone many times a day, even when you know there's likely nothing new or important to see? And so that's just kind of 15 questions. As you go through these, uh, you may realize that some things possibly need to change for you. If you are stuck on your phone, there are some effects that result. Uh, Anxiety and stress and depression are are feedbacks from that. Uh, Text neck, by consistently looking down, chronic users can experience uh, a stiff, sore neck. Accidents, we saw through videos, being consumed with what's on your phone can lead to accidents, walking to poles, pools, uh, whatever it is they all walked into, car accidents, those kinds of things. Um, obsessive compulsive behavior, repeatedly having to check your phone. Uh, and again, if, you, if people have a tendency to OCD, then you're looking at people that are checking their phone like over 300 times a day. Like they are constantly checking, 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 checking. Sleep disturbance, can you sleep? Or are you not sleeping well? And then relationship issues. Distracted, are you distracted when you're in, in with people? Or do you make poor eye contact? Do you have to ask people to pay attention? Do you feel awkward while talking with people without a phone in your hand? Can you do that? Those kinds of things. So as you're listening to this sermon, you may realize that you have a problem. Or you may be thinking of someone else you may know. Hopefully as you think of them, they are not thinking of you. Or you may be thinking that I don't have a problem, but I still would like to change my relationship with my phone, regardless of, of the fact. And so I'm going to give you a few suggestions or uh, uh, ideas that will put you back in control and let you be the boss again. Number one is to turn off your notifications. So that little red number, you can actually turn it off. You don't have to see it. Uh, and so what that does is by turning off the, that kind of a notification, uh, it allows you, when you look at your phone, you're not getting hit with a dopamine thing to, and, a, and that pressure to go check. Turning off noises, bings, bops, boops, uh, tadas, whatever the noise you have for whatever the app you have, uh, you can turn them off. Because every time those things ding, it, your brain is wired to say, there's something I'm missing. And so do, if you want to get control of it, you've got to turn them off. And the idea then is when you turn them off, you now set the schedule for when you're going to look at your phone and you're going to check on these things. doesn't mean you don't go and look. You don't have, but the idea is you're controlling it yourself, not having that event come in and control you. Go grayscale. Again, this is a setting you can do on your phone. You can set your phone so it's in grayscale. It's less interesting to look at. And you will look at it less if your phone is in grayscale. Just, just a fact. It's what it is. Put your phone out of reach. A phone in front of you is the possibility of something there. This divides your attention and lowers the quality of relationships. 65% of people keep their phones within four feet of themselves 100% of the time. So put your phone away, far away. Don't use your phone to check the time. Now, here's another little aside, too. Actually, I'm going to go here. Smartwatches are a newer thing. Again, they're not that new. They've been around for a few years. But really, the amount of smartphone coverage is there. So, again, smartwatches. How many of you have smartwatches? That's, that's, uh, yeah, there you go. About, about, that's about 40%. Uh, so now, my, smart, my, my cell phone isn't with me. How many of you have been in a meeting? Da, 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 and also the person's... Are you visiting with somebody and also the phone? You know, right? Okay. Controlling, controlling how much these things are going to allow and interrupt the relationships and the conversations and the things you're doing with the people that you're with. 
smartphone, smartwatches there. It's another, another thing, another thing to figure out. Uh, leave your phone out of your bedroom. Uh, get a real alarm clock. They exist. You can still buy them in the store. I saw them at Canadian Tire this week. So you can buy a, 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 a clock that, that tells the time and will wake you up. So there you go. Uh, stay off uh, your phone or tablet for an hour before bedtime if you want to, again, get better sleep. Again, tracking your usage is key. Uh, a lot of the phones now have that built into them. Take a frast from your social media or from your iPhone. The good things. Again, Easter's coming up, and so that's one of those things. Again, if you want to participate in Lent, that's one of those times where maybe you want to take a break from some of these things. Complicate your lock code. Face ID on iPhones has not been good for that. You just look at your phone and it opens up for you. It may make it hard to get in. That'll slow you getting into it. Block off times in your day when you're not going to be on your phone or take a digital break. You can, again, use blockers, an internet blocker, or go on to airplane mode. There's night mode, which takes away the blue light, which is supposed to, again, make it harder for you to go to sleep. Go to the bathroom without your phone. One in six phones have fecal matter on them. All right? Uh, ban phones from the family mealtime. No phones on the table. And then stay accountable. Find somebody that's going to maybe, if you really, really are struggling with this, find somebody that you can work with together. And for some, that may mean uh, seeking some professional help. Right? That, and that's not a joke. That's serious. We need to take care of ourselves, and sometimes we can't do things on our own, and we need the professional support and help that a counselor and others can bring to help us uh, take care of some of these kinds of situations that we're in. Text with us to stay. I don't think there's much chance of these things going away. Uh, Companies like Facebook, now called, I think, Infinity. No, Infinity. Ah, they changed their name. Sorry. Infinity? Meta. There you go. But they have an infinity symbol. Yeah, that's what it is. So Meta, Facebook's changed its name, but whatever the case, uh, they continue to do everything they can to keep your eyes glued to the screen as often as possible. And they use algorithms to leverage your dopamine-driven reward circuitry, and so they stack the cards against us and our brains uh, to make us want to use their products and their company stuff all the time. And so we need to be mindful how we use technology and how we let it impact our lives. It will. It will. It's there. there we, we can't get away from it. But I think we can control it. 